Names are important. They give us something to identify with, or sometimes they provide a sense of value. We've all seen movies, watched television shows, or read books where royals wanted a son to carry on their family name. Passing that title from one male to the next was something of an honor and was respected. Names are often our legacies. Think of famous presidents, actors, scientists who left a lasting impression on the world and will forever be remembered for what they did. For example, we hear the name Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and immediately we think of great feats of accomplishment. According to WhiteHouse.gov, quote, he was elected president in November of 1932 to serve the first of four terms. By March, there were 13 million unemployed, and almost every bank was closed. In his first 100 days, he proposed, and Congress enacted a sweeping program to bring recovery to businesses and agriculture, relief to the unemployment and to those in danger of losing farms and homes, and reform, especially through the establishment of the Tennessee Valley Authority. In 1936, he was re-elected by a top-heavy margin. Feeling he was armed with a popular mandate, he sought legislation to enlarge the Supreme Court, which has been validating key New Deal measures. Roosevelt lost the Supreme Court battle, but a revolution in constitutional law took place. Thereafter, the government could legally regulate the economy. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, Roosevelt directed organization of the nation's manpower and resources for global war. Feeling the future peace of the world would depend upon relations between the United States and Russia, he devoted much thought to the planning of the United Nations, in which he hoped international difficulties could be settled. End quote. Names are oftentimes our last claim to destiny or to even fame. But despite how much we value names, or what high regards we hold a name in, it doesn't really define us. In the end, it is just a name. Shakespeare wrote of this idea in Romeo and Juliet. In Act 2, Scene 2 of Romeo and Juliet, Juliet speaks a beautiful and now famous soliloquy, "'Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself not a Montague. What's a Montague? Is it nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man? Oh, be some other name. What's in a name?' That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without the title, Romeo doff thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. What is she saying? Juliet's not allowed to associate with Romeo, obviously, because he's a Montague and she's a Capulet. But what would happen if Romeo had a different last name? If he were anyone but a Montague, Juliet's father would have no problem with their relationship. If he had any other name, it would be fine. She's complaining because in the end, his name is meaningless. If a rose had any other name, it would still be that same rose. So really, we are who we are, even if we don't have the same name. Names don't really define us. Our actions do. But when a little boy is found dead in the Thames River and no one determined his name, we're left wondering if his name were to be determined, would his body have been claimed and his killer identified? This is the story of Adam, the torso found in the Thames River. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. 
My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Lord, I know you all do not listen to the unedited version. <laughs> But I'm apparently incompetent today because there's probably going to be about 15 edits for Allison to make in that short little oh. intro. <laughs> Listen, I am so excited that we are in England because I fond, I have fond memories of walking along the River Thames and looking at Big Ben and Parliament and right on the Thames is the London Eye, the big Ferris wheel. So. All kinds of memories there. So is it true that Big Ben, that's just the name of like the clock. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Not the name of the tower or building. Are they different things? I would, well, that I don't know. I would say the clock tower itself is Big Ben. I saw Mm -hmm. on CNN 10 that they redid part of Big Ben. Oh, I didn't see like that. Something hmm. with, like, they restored it to, like, its original color or something like that. This was a few weeks ago, so you all know I have no memory. But he was on CNN 10. Well. So, Allison, carrying on with a little bit of history, I was in fifth grade when the attacks on 9-11 happened. Oh, my and... gosh, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> that makes well, me feel so old. What grade were you in? Um. Well, in... When 9-11 happened, I was in graduate school. See, I don't feel like there's that much age difference. I don't either, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I was in I was in fifth grade. No, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Despite my horrible memory, plus coupled with being so young, I still can remember vivid details from that day. I can picture the classroom I was in, exactly how it was set up. I was sitting beside my best friend. I was directly facing the board beside Stephanie in social studies class when the principal, and we were in groups of four, when the principal came over the intercom and told us that um, the nation was under attack and that he urged all the teachers to turn on the news so that we could watch all these events unfold, which now looking back on it is very traumatic for yes. like 11-year-olds, but it's fine. Oh my fine. goodness. Because we saw um, the second tower collapse. So we wow. saw the plane fly into the tower and then we saw both of them collapse. And so if you all know me, and I think most of you by this point do, 
you know that I am extremely anxious and I am also a worrier. I we was that are. kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was that kid that cried during like unannounced fire drills in elementary school, fearing the worst had happened and like people were dying, you know. Right. I was just that kid. Yeah. And my brother had joined the military when I was in fourth grade. So by fifth grade, he was out of basic training and stationed in Texas. Oh, and so gosh. By this point, you know, now I'm worried for him. So even though right. I was little, I knew that this type of attack on the U.S., I knew that we were going to go to war. And obviously now I'm worrying for my brother. And I don't think a lot of kids in mm-hmm. my class understood my reaction to 9 11. Right. Because I think they were all just kind of like dumbfounded, Mm -hmm. whereas I was truly traumatized because I think I understood on a deeper level than they did because of my brother. Yours was very concrete. Yeah. The way you thought about it. And so my mom worked at my elementary school, and I'm sure sensing my anxiety, ran from the cafeteria because she was a cook there and came and got me from class. And of course, I'm crying. And so she takes me into the library at my school. And we watched with the librarian. Um, I sat in my mom's lap as tears ran down my face because I knew that like, my world was going to be forever different. Wow. And one thing I have never really stopped to think about until I started researching this article because all this or this case, because all this comes back to this, is how 9-11 likely impacted the entire world, Mm -hmm. right? We felt it really close to home, but I never really stopped to think about how that changed the lives of a lot of people. Everybody else, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so while I was researching today's case, I realized that just like Americans, the rest of the world felt the same shocks of September 11th. According to BU Today, quote, the events of 9-11 not only reshaped the global response to terrorism, but raised new and troubling questions about security, privacy, and treatment of prisoners. It reshaped U.S. immigration policies and led to a surge in discrimination, racial profiling, and hate crimes, end quote. Right. So I think everybody kind of felt that, holy crap, if it can happen, you know, in one place, it could happen anywhere. Right. And then, like you just said, sometimes our reaction to things is more hate of mm-hmm. other groups and, you know, pigeonholing and scapegoating and those sorts of things. A lot of people there, I guess, coping mechanism is just hate and blame. Right. Which is sad. But I also remember in the days and weeks after 9-11 was just how quiet things felt Mm -hmm. almost like we were lost and didn't really know what to do next like how to process our emotions yeah yeah and the same feeling was also felt across the pond where the story takes place today so angus crawford and tony smith and why do we call it a pond why do we say that we just say i know i don't know but yeah across the ocean across the pond I don't know. Because it's a really big pond. It is a big pond. (laughs) (laughs) But Angus Crawford and Tony Smith wrote an article for BBC. um, And this article I actually reference a lot. And do you say, like, how do you say the A in the N? It's like the name Tim. Tim's. You know what's weird? I think that 
like my whole life I've been told to pronounce that wrong. But anyways. I think a lot so, of people are, I think. But yeah. I think it um I think it's maybe the way we pronounce different vowel sounds, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. But these two wrote an article for BBC called The Torso and the Thames, A 20-Year Mystery. And they talk about this same feeling. Mm -hmm. And today's story starts just 10 days after the 9-11 attacks. And Crawford and Smith say that London, just like America, was strangely quiet in the Mm -hmm. days after. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are um, 10 days pre-9-11. And Aidan Minter, who was 32 at the time, was walking across... Tower Bridge in central London heading for a business meeting. I feel like you can picture all of this. I can. There. I totally can. And he said, quote, according to this article, the tide was high at the time. I thought it was a tailor's mannequin, he recalls. Oh, no. Okay. It's never we a know mannequin. Where this is going. <laughs> he rarely speaks about the case, according to the BBC. And, of course, we know, like you said, one of our life lessons is it's never a mannequin. <laughs> but Aiden was holding out hope that the thing he was seeing was just, you know, like a torso of a child's mannequin floating (gasps) along the river. Oh no. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say, then it came under the bridge. And that's when I saw the detail, the wounds and the body itself End quote. Uh, So picture that you're like walking, minding your own business. You're on your way to work and you just casually stroll by a torso in the river. I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to think. Yeah, and I think, rightfully so, that Aiden is not able to recall a lot of events of, or, like, doesn't want to talk about it, because this is traumatic. And you, wait, you didn't say a body. You used the word torso. And it is just the torso. (gasps) Yep. And police pulled the torso from the water upstream closer to the Globe Theater. So it, you know, kind of floated for a while. It was determined that the torso belonged to a small African-American boy who was between the ages of four and eight. Oh, poor baby. Postmortem investigation showed that the body had been poisoned. And (gasps) I'll go into a little bit more detail. Um, They were able to determine that it was a boy, obviously. But the throat had been slit to drain the blood from the body. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And the the head and all limbs were expertly, was the word used, removed from the torso. Oh my gosh, Maggie. Maggie. When you what? said torso, I was at least picturing his head. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I think there's enough there that they can see that his throat was slit. Oh, my gosh. Now I know how traumatic this must be and how your mind would probably be like, that has to, that has to be a mannequin. It has to be a mannequin. <gasps> oh, man. Yeah, he was um, headless. Oh, so forensic testing actually examined his stomach contents and trace minerals in the bones. And <gasps> Allison, sounds you, oddly familiar because I've done yes, some cases like that. Yeah, you can guess, I'm sure, that the forensic team were able to determine um, where he was from, kind of where he had been, that kind of thing, based mm-hmm. off those minerals. Because we've talked about that actually in a couple different. Um, cases we've covered okay i'm gonna go off the cuff right here and go ahead 
I know you haven't told me anything about this, but I do know that you said it is just a torso. And I know that you said things were expertly removed. Mm-hmm. Was he a victim who was somehow like they did some sort of like autopsy? His body was donated to science and things were removed? Um, He was believed to have been part of something where his limbs were removed. Okay. Okay, so there's my pre-hearing the story theory. Okay. Okay. So where did they figure out he was from then? So they're trying to establish where he is from. And he comes to be known as Adam because they don't have an identity. So Like Adam and Eve. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're like, is he originally from the UK? Had he been mm-hmm. in London for a while? And they were actually able to determine that Adam had only been in the United Kingdom for a few days, maybe a week or so before he was murdered. That's crazy that they can tell that by minerals in mm-hmm. his bones. And furthermore, they were able to determine that he was from a region of southwestern Nigeria. Oh. In this city, Benin City. I did not look up the pronunciation of that, uh-huh. so I could be wrong. But um, it is the birthplace of voodoo. Hmm. There must be some sort of like vegetation or something in the water or food there that Mm-hmm. Allowed them to get that specific. Because was it with the one that you gave so much background information on that? Was it teeth that they used? And hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, hair. yeah, hair. Yeah. So because we are able to determine that he was only in the United Kingdom for a few days or weeks. He's originally from southwestern Nigeria. This led investigators to, sus- to like, believe that Adam was trafficked. Oh. So he was sent there specifically for this creepy ritual this <gasps> killing ritual sacrifice oh so yeah. he was like they're thinking he was like sold for this purpose mm-hmm. <gasps> so yeah he is sent to great britain specifically for the purpose of this muti killing i could not find the like pronunciation yeah of that because it kept what wanting to it? say multi like i was misspelling it but it's um a ritual sacrifice performed by a witch doctor and in this sacrifice they use children's body parts oh to gosh. make medical potions oh yeah and so i was a little bit curious because in the research this is just mentioned but it's not gone into any details Mm -hmm. about exactly what this is Mm -hmm. and so i looked it up and it is as horrific and nightmarish Mm. as it sounds to be according to and this is even kind of creepy itself oh no the title yeah witchcraft accusations and persecution moody muti murders and human sacrifice harmful beliefs and practices behind a global crisis and human rights oh man yeah so in this article it says heavy reading i'm glad i I didn't didn't do it I didn't read a whole lot into it, honestly, because I was like, this is a little dark for me. Yeah, yeah. But, quote, muti is a word used in South Africa to refer to this type of magic that enables people to gain power or wealth. Mm. So we're performing this magic to gain power or wealth. So they're going to kill kids 
to have power. Yeah, and it explains why it's children. So it says the most extreme form uses body parts, and people may be killed to provide them. The magic is also performed in parts of Africa as well, but such killings are wildly reported as quote-unquote ritual killings. It does say little evidence exists to show that there is any significant ritual involved behind the magic, but um, this, like, rights group currently refers to them as mutie murders. Mm -hmm. And I did read that part of this, I don't remember where I read this from, but part of the like idea behind this sacrifice is say I a person is given so much luck in their life. Okay. Like if you think about it, all your luck is in a cup. And as you get older, you drink from that cup. And eventually you're going to run out of luck. Mm-hmm. And so the idea behind this would be I want to have more luck. So mm-hmm. in order to get the most bang for my buck, I would want to kill a child because they would oh have more gosh. luck in their cup than, you know, a 70-year-old man. Wow. So you're essentially taking their power oh. or their wealth or whatever for yourself. Wow. Yeah. This world is a dark place. I know, isn't it? And I feel like we cover a lot of really dark stuff, but I don't know if we've had one that's involved something as scary as this. Right. Gosh. From the torso, investigators were able to tell that there were no signs of physical or sexual abuse and that Adam had been well-fed. And this is just further supporting the idea that he was meant as some sort of sacrifice. Mm. He had a purpose beyond starvation or beating or sexual assault. Right. Because how would you go from being taken care of to limbs and head removed? Right. Like, that's a huge shift. Right. Because I feel like his purpose when he came here was to be in this sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so they're keeping him healthy until the time comes. Adam was found wearing only orange shorts. And those shorts came into play later in Adam's case. The label was Kids and Company. And the size and color could only be found in a small number of shops in Germany. Oh. So... He's from Nigeria. He's his body is found in London. His shorts are only made in Germany. So okay, a little so bit. So this is very confusing. Over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Allison, if you remember, um, just like in Boy in the Box and so many other Jane Doe and John Doe cases that we have covered, one would think that somewhere there's a family missing and desperately desperately searching for their child mm-hmm. or their you know cousin or whoever. And if that were the case, it would only be a few days, hours for Adam's family to come forward to claim the body. But Mm -hmm. police are thinking the same thing. And so they air his case or they put his case out to the public and no one really steps forward. More than 60 people called in, I read, with tips or, you know, that type of thing. But there were no major breakthroughs. Well, here's the and thing, so, like, how do you even describe him? Well, that's, yeah, that was, they do later on, I think, are able to determine more of his details. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they just kind of did a blanket statement. We have a like, body of a four to eight-year-old yeah, yeah. that had on orange shorts, like, but it's wow. that's pretty big. 
Right. That's a big range of people. Yeah. But they did get a couple people that called in, but no family connections were made. And detectives took an unprecedented step in giving him the name Adam. And then they attach a reward um, offering the reward for information that could lead to a murder conviction. Wow. In an article called Adam Torso in the Thames Unresolved, it says that the Thames was searched again. So they initially take his body, they search again, and they found seven half-burnt candles that were wrapped in a white sheet. What? And, and, yeah. And I don't know if this, again, though. But it could be something off, completely unrelated. Yeah. Like, how clean is this river, first of all? Right. And then could it just be, some, like you said, somebody threw something in the river and they just happened to find yeah. that near where they found Adam. Right. Um, it did have a name written on the sheet and also carved into the candles. The investigators looked into whether or not that could be Adam's real name. But uh-huh. when asked about the candles, Detective Inspector Will O'Reilly said, quote, We know with some certainties that the candles and the sheets form part of a ritualistic ceremony. We can't say if they're connected. But at the moment, we're linking them, end quote. Okay, then, so the sheets and the candle are part of a ritual. They uh-huh. believe that his torso is part of a ritual, but they don't know mm-hmm. if it's the same ritual. Right. Is basically and, what they're saying. Yeah, and I think, like we just said, it. I think it would be very easy to jump ship and say, oh my god, these definitely are connected. You mm-hmm. just found these candles next to this boy's torso. There's no way they're not related. But mm-hmm. we also have to think about what's going on in the world at this time. Because they later found out that the sheets and the candles were par- part of a prayer that was done as a a celebration of life by the parents oh. of the person of that name because he was in New York during the attacks of 9-11 and had survived. Oh, so it, so like it really had nothing to do with this. Yeah. Torso. Right. Okay. And they talk about that a lot too in the research that I did that 9-11, I think we also covered a case similar to this, like something else really big in the world was happening but Adam's case didn't get the media attention that it typically would have mm-hmm. because of 9-11. Okay, right. So they did determine that the candles had nothing to do with the death of Adam. So the only piece of evidence that investigators had to work with was the pair of orange shorts that the boy was wearing when he was found. Mm, which isn't a lot. Right. You got one item to work with. They, again, we know the shorts are from Kids and Company. That brand is made in China, but sold in Germany and Austria, which is where I want to go. I know. That's your dream place. The shorts were traced back to a batch of 820 pairs in that size for ages 5 to 7, which were sold in 320 stores around Germany. So, Okay. Actually, That's this pretty, one pair yeah. did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that narrows it down. Mm-hmm. And as I hinted to earlier, the shorts do play a big role in this case. We know that Adam had connections to Germany. So, police expanded their search outside of the UK, and I read they teamed up with the police in the Netherlands after an unidentified white girl was found dismembered on a beach because they're like, could these two things be connected? Right. Could Adam and this girl, you know. 
But it was eventually determined that there was no connection. The girl was oh. identified, um, and her stepfather was actually charged <gasps> with the murder, which is oh my gosh, heartbreaking. Crazy. Yeah. So there was no link to Adam. Oh. Since Allison and I don't work together anymore, recording our podcast became harder until we found Zencaster. Zencaster is podcast recording the way it should be, web-based, and as easy as creating a link and clicking to join a recording session. If you've been listening to our show for any extended period of time, you know our love for Zencaster and their products. Now, with Zencaster Professional, there's even more to love. Zencaster records video up to 4K. Post-production allows you to balance volumes and reduce background noise in one click. Filler word removal takes out all the ums and ahs that happen in natural speech. And you can now also add your brand's watermark to your work. For the podcaster, the production of an episode is simple from start to finish. Recording local audio, inserting pre-recorded audio clips like intro music and ads, and even publishing the episode or setting it to post at a future date and time. It's even easy for guests who aren't tech savvy, and you can add up to 11 separate participants. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code COFFEEINCASES, all one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experience we do for all your podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Allison. So... There's a couple different theories about Adam. We're all, Today's case is different, so we're not going to do, like, really theories at the end. We're just going to kind of talk about okay. most people believe this and some people believe this. Okay. But um, there were many that believed that Adam died in this mute sacrifice, but I read that there are some that believe the theory was quickly disproven. Um, people analyzed information from Adam's case and the investigative psychology unit that did this investigation determined it was likely not a mutey murder because his limbs were removed, but his genitals and organs were still intact, which is would be uncommon. Mm. Again, both a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I read a book. I don't, uh, Alice Walker's Possessing the Secret of Joy, and it's about female genital mutilation. So that does make sense that, you know, because that's where mm. life, life is mm. created, created, that that would be that in a, in a ritualistic sacrifice that that would have been affected. So that I mean, is I guess it kind of does make sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then that made me wonder... If, which I still believe that it is some type of, like, sacrifice, ritualistic thing. But that Mm -hmm. made me wonder, in this scenario, if we're saying it isn't, could this just maybe have been their way of prolonging the identification process? 
Or are they being extra cruel? Mm. By removing all the limbs and all that. Yeah. But most people would agree that it was some type of sacrifice. But I did want to say before we get further into the case that there are some people who believe that it wasn't. Okay. So why did they think, like, what about it made them think that it is? So I read, according to that unresolved article that I quoted earlier, quote, the team put the Met Police in contact with somebody that was called Credo Mutwa mm-hmm. to provide his insights. And again, I'm probably butchering names because some sources state that the police sought this guy out themselves. But according to this, um, they were put into contact with him. And he says that Adam's death was a result of a ritual sacrifice that's common in West Africa and that the use of the bright orange shorts was also significant. The oh. color was Adam's soul was so Adam's soul could be resurrected, end quote. According to this guy, this bright however, orange? Yes. However, though, this guy, and I didn't read in that article what made him credible. Like, Mm -hmm. is he some type of priest in this culture? Like, I didn't read that. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, he has some type of credentials that were putting the police in contact with him. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of blew off what he said because he was considered by many to be a con man and a fraudist. Oh, okay. So, maybe he's not telling the truth. Yeah. But I don't think, for me personally, because I'm not educated enough in that area, I don't think that it really matters what type of sacrifice he died in, whether it be mm-hmm. one or the other. I do think he died in some sort of sacrificial way. Mm. In July t- 2002, it's so hard to say that now because now I want to say 2022. 20, 2002. 2002. Yeah. <laughs> Social workers in Glasgow became worried about the safety of two girls. And this ties back in. They were oh, living I was going to say, where's mother. this going? Why are we talking yeah. about girls? Okay. And she was an African woman in her early 30s named Joyce. Because the social workers expressed concern about the safety of these two girls, Joyce's home was inspected. And according to the BBC, council workers found really bizarre ritualistic objects in her home. Mm. So at a court hearing to take the children from her and into protective care, Joyce told a story of cults, killings, and of sacrifices. (gasps) Now... I did read that Joyce was a very confused woman. Her mental state was questioned by many. So her comments could be off the wall or there could be merit behind what she was saying. Mm -hmm. But police officers that were present at this hearing were like, holy crap. This is really weird and very coincidental. And they thought they were just odd enough to warrant a call to the homicide unit in London. Okay. I'm, I'm ready to hear this. And so because of that call, Nick Chalmers searched Joyce's home. And when I was reading, I expected them not really to find anything, you know, mm-hmm. but they actually found some things of interest. So remember that Aaron or Adam, excuse me, are wearing, he's wearing those shorts um, mm-hmm. from that specific company. Well, yeah, they found company. 
Mm-hmm. And they found clothes by Kids and Company and in the same sizes that Adam would have been in in Joyce's oh. home. And she's been talking about kids and sacrifice and rituals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, they arrest Joyce. Officers were convinced she played an important part in the story. But she, like I said, was confused and kind of kept changing her accounts of what happened. She Mm -hmm. said she didn't know anything about an Adam. She was unable to explain, you know, this coincidence of having the same size and brand clothing. Especially because it's only in a few stores in Germany. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But... Officers weren't able to charge her with anything because, again, we're arresting her solely because she has the same brand. Because she bought clothes at the same store. Yeah. Yeah. She did remain in Glasgow waiting for the results of her asylum change or claim because, obviously, now she's been brought up in front of the judge a couple different times. So, they're like, Mm. maybe talk about some deportation. Right. In the meantime, forensic work continued and by... December, it was clear um, that Adam's DNA did indeed point to West African ancestry. And they performed groundbreaking tests on samples of bone marrow that narrowed down to a strip of land around that particular city in southern Nigeria. So that's how they did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was coincidental because that's Joyce's hometown. (gasps) Yeah. And she How was big actually, is the city? Is this like a big city? Yeah, it is big. Oh, like one okay. and a half million people. Oh, that's okay, a so lot. So I people. guess it's not okay. as coincidental okay. as what right. I thought it was going to be. Um, but still, but yeah, I mean, are, to be to be in the well, same we have town, the same shorts to have the same, in right. the same town, yeah, right. Especially since the clothing isn't from that city; mm-hmm. it's from a different one. So, together, that's awfully coincidental. Yeah. Joyce was deported back to Nigeria. Nick and his boss, Detective Inspector Will O'Reilly, who we talked about a little bit ago, Mm -hmm. actually traveled with Joyce to Nigeria. They charted, like, this private jet. They were hoping if they treated her extra special that she would divulge any secrets she may have regarding Adam or his case. But she actually didn't say anything. Oh. She just enjoyed her plane flight. Yeah. And I read that the detectives were so disappointed that when they arrived to Nigeria, they didn't even get off the plane. They just like let her out, turned around on the taxi. That was a bust. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That was a waste of money. Shortly afterwards, German police revealed that Joyce had lived in Hamburg until late (gasps) 2001. So she's connected to Adam now in several different ways. Uh Mm-hmm. Finally, in late 2002, police thought that they had reached a breakthrough in the case. They finally thought they had enough evidence to yet again arrest Joyce, and they did. Because this time, they're like, you know what, we think we have enough to keep her in custody. When they searched her phone, they found that she only had two contacts in her phone. One was a man called Musa Kamara, Uh who was traced to London. Police went to his home. Mm -hmm. to see if he had any possible connection to adam and when they arrived at his home police officers found an animal skull pierced with a nail liquid potions and a small packet containing what appeared to be sand or like dirt Mm -hmm. there were also videotapes labeled rituals (gasps) 
Oh my. Yes. And it was like this drama that showed adults being beheaded. <gasps> then the items seem to be associated with Nigerian rituals and oh. specifically one known as juju, which oh. we've all heard about, you know, you got bad juju. Um, detectives also worked out that Kamara's real name was Kingsley Oho. Oh, so he's going under an alias here mm -hmm. in London. So mm -hmm. that's never a good sign. And they are like, you know what? Same thing. He's going by this alias. We need to dig deeper into his mm -hmm. background and really figure out who this dude is. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they did. So they start digging around and they made some pretty startling discoveries. It was clear that Oho was involved in human trafficking. Oh, and that's even what they if he could not be Adam. Mm -hmm. So even if he could not be directly connected to this death and this instance of human trafficking with Adam, it's clear mm -hmm. he's involved in human trafficking to some extent. Right. So he is put under surveillance within hours of being released from this questioning and being placed on surveillance. He was back talking to his criminal associates, organizing illegal entries of Nigerians into the UK. And he was considered a major player in a gang that was smuggling people into the country. Hmm. I feel like this case has so much information. So right. while the police are following Oho, there's a botanist at Q Gardens mm -hmm. that Famous had garden. been sent mm -hmm, that had been sent samples of plant remains that were found in Adam's stomach. Oh, so, okay. You know, we've talked about that before, and we've talked yeah. about that in this case. That can tell us a lot. Well, in 2003, they made a groundbreaking, I think, conclusion. So Adam had been fed two parts or have been fed parts of two different plants. Okay. So first they were able to determine that there were small amounts of this particular bean in his stomach that was known as a doomsday plant. Okay. So this is bad. Yeah. This is not good. Doom, doom and gloom. Mm. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. And traditionally this bean was used in witchcraft ceremonies in West Africa. Oh, so there's the West Africa link again. There's the witchcraft linked, linked again. Mm -hmm. And at the dosage that Adam would have been given, it would have caused paralysis. Oh, So no. he would have been paralyzed, but he would have still felt pain. <gasps> oh, no. He just couldn't get away. Mm-hmm. Mm oh. The second plant that they found was this plant that acts as a sedative and causes hallucinations. Mm. So, according to the BBC, detectives believed that the mixture was given to Adam before his throat was cut. It would have left him paralyzed and helpless, but still aware of what was happening to oh, him. Oh, my gosh. Which is so oh, sad. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Police were able to arrest Oho, not in connection to Adam's death, but with four charges of people smuggling and using fake documents to obtain a passport and a driver's license. But, you um, know, can I just say... Yeah. We talked about this with the Jason Derrick Brown case. I feel like Oho obviously is a criminal, but so smart. Like, I would have no idea how to obtain documents to get a passport or a new driver's license if I wanted to assume a new identity. Oh, I know. Yeah. Mine would be so and botched. They'd be like, this is clearly yeah. fake. 
I mean, I'd be making it on like Canva. Right. <laughs> the teacher version. So you have more options. Yeah. I'd be looking on Teachers Pay Teacher. Right. Have a fake passport on there. Right. Right. In July 2004, he did plead guilty to those charges and was sentenced to four years in jail with a recommendation he be deported upon release. And detectives hoped that that threat of deportation would kind of push him to help in Mm -hmm. their case. I was going to say they probably arrested him on those lesser charges thinking, okay, Mm -hmm. we can at least get him on this and then maybe he'll admit more. Right. Maybe he'll talk more. Mm Mm-hmm. In that Crawford and Smith article, it said, quote, We learned that in Brixton Prison, he gained a reputation of being a big man. He is alleged to have performed juju ceremonies for money on behalf of other prisoners. One inmate informed the police. From his prison cell, Oho contacted the team investigating Adam's death. He said he had secret recordings of Joyce recorded in Nigeria by his associates. He claimed he wanted to help track down the killer and clear his own name, end quote. Which is, if that's true, good for you. Wow. So he's saying, I didn't do it, but I sure know who did. uh, And he named Joyce? Yeah, and I can help you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously they know each other because his name was in her phone. Right. And I'm wondering if he knows that's how the connection to him was made, you know? Probably. Like blackmail? Yeah. Yeah. Officers did interview him at the end of his sentence while he was waiting to be deported. He convinced the murder team that he would help them and by late 2005 was released and living back in East London, apparently Hmm. assisting in this investigation. Hmm. I did read that for over two years, he fed the police different information. Most of his information would later prove to be lies. Well, he also, I'd be like, this is not working yeah. out for us. You're going back to prison. Yeah, you're going back to prison. He also accused a different woman of leading the sacrificial ceremony back in September of 2001. Police placed an undercover officer in her church for months, but they were never able to conclude that there were any backbone to this claim that he made. Mm-hmm. Because most of the information police were getting from him ended up being false. He was actually deported back to Nigeria in 2008. And through this whole process, the original deportation, coming back to London, the second deportation, he still claims that he, quote, done his best to assist the investigation. Uh, False. False. Also in Nigeria, we have Joyce, who reappeared and was interviewed by police. She finally admitted that she had looked after Adam. (gasps) but this is not his real name. Right, obviously. She lived in Hamburg in northern Germany and that she had bought the orange shorts that were found on his body. But she said nothing else and just like, from all I could tell, vanished. So now she's saying she had something to do with this. And if it were just innocent, like she's making it sound, then why wouldn't she have said that from the beginning? Exactly. For three years, investigations continued, but with no significant leads or any advancements. But when detectives searched through Joyce's belongings, left with a friend in Germany, they found a pile of photos. One of them showed a boy that was about five, who was looking straight at the camera, and it was taken in 2001. So was that him? Well, according to the BBC... Detective Sergeant Nick was skeptical about whether it could be Adam. Okay. But he had to be anybody. Right. Yeah. 
In early 2011, the photo was given to a news outlet which tried to track down Joyce in Nigeria. Joyce said that that was Adam in the photo and that his real name is impossible for me to pronounce, but she names it. Uh And she said that she had looked after the boy, but had given him to a man named Bawa. And for some time, it seemed that the mystery was solved. Like we knew Adam's name. We knew he was given to this man. Now we're just finding this man. But detectives were unable to positively identify the boy or take the investigation any, like they couldn't move forward. You'd think though, now if they have like a name that they could find family and do some sort of like Mm -hmm. genetic testing to, you know, verify if that truly is him. So they did put out the photograph and Mm -hmm. it was determined that it really wasn't Adam. Like the people that knew this boy came forward and was like, nope, this is so-and-so and and he's still alive and well. That's definitely not a dead kid. Well, so now Joyce is lying too. Yeah, and at this point, they kind of confront her about it, and she's still just really confused. She has all those mental health problems, Mm. and she says, actually, that boy, he was, his name was Danny. Yeah. But she just keeps suggesting other names. It was Patrick. Never able to Mm. verify that it was Patrick. And finally- So it could just be the case that she's so confused- that mm-hmm. you know kind of pushing her for answers is not gonna get you anywhere gonna help anything mm-hmm. yeah finally according to the bbc they showed joyce one more photograph and she instantly identified the man as the person that she called bauer and that is who she says she gave adam to in germany in 2001 and the person that she was calling calling bauer was trafficker kingsley oho <gasps> yeah and it was the first time that she had ever connected the two so he's blaming her and she's blaming him mm-hmm. yeah and in that um bbc article i read that they were able to track him down but he wouldn't talk with them um or meet with them mm. he did say that he had no involvement in adam's murder and obviously they would have linked him to it if they could have, if they found something in his apartment, you know, specific so to Adam. If there's just not enough information to link him. I don't know. But to this day, Adam's case still remains unsolved. I would say given everything you said, I would likely agree that it's ritualistic as well. I think that there's mm-hmm. enough to say that... He's somehow linked to either Oho or Joyce or both. One of them, I think, in my gut, I would say, brought him to England. But who's responsible for his death? Obviously, we don't know. While Shakespeare would argue that there is no real meaning in a name, I think the nameless that we cover on the show would disagree. They were someone. They are someone. They deserve to be known for who they are and what they offer to this life over how they left this world. It's my hope that we will someday see the identity of Adam discovered. In the meantime, sleuth hounds, keep sharing his story. Keep remembering. 
Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. It's Love Notes from Maggie and Allison. Whoop, whoop. We want to send some love out this week to Casey, Kelsey, Paige, Mary Jo, Sonia, Terry, Jolene, Twyla, Tony, Tiffany, Julie, Martha, Lena, and Kara, who reached out to us either on email, Facebook, or Instagram. Kara actually wrote us to say, quote, I just wanted to let you girls know how much I love your podcast. You girls are so empathetic to the families when telling these stories and never give anything but the facts, end quote. Thank you, Kara. Love that, Kara. And Casey wrote, thank you both for your research and candor during your episodes. I have been binge listening during my drive to and from work. Thank you for covering the cases like you do. And those mean a lot to us. Yes, they do. Those types of messages. Yes, because they do. I think a lot of the times I've talked about um, this like with people at work. And yeah. I think a lot of the times people forget that two families or multiple families suffer in these cases. Yes, mm-hmm. the victims and their families suffer. But also the people who we talk about if it's a suspect or, oh, you yeah. know, whatever. Those families have suffered too. Yeah, absolutely. And we just heard today from Lena, who wrote, quote, I just heard of you guys from the Halloween episodes yesterday. I'm a bit of a podcast snob, as there's too many out there, and I feel I choose the best of them. I'm binge listening now to you guys. Absolutely love you guys, end quote. Well, we love you right back. I know. And it's so... I love hearing from all of our listeners, especially sweet messages like the ones we've gotten recently. And remember, if you do recommend us to friends or strangers... To tag Mm -hmm. us on Facebook by adding the at symbol before typing coffee and cases so we know you mentioned us. Or you could always write to us, and that way we can give you a shout out on the next show. And we have some major love and a huge shout out going out to Siswa Soul, who wrote the following Apple Podcast review. Quote, I just started this podcast and have listened to about 10 episodes so far. I love the research that is done and how the hosts try to take a gentle but real approach. Again, we love that. I know. Thank you so much. And we want to send special love to our new Patreon member, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. who just joined us. And if you haven't yet joined Patreon, you don't want to miss out any longer. You can get bonus content at all of the levels. And we just recorded a really creepy full episode that will be coming out within the next week. So... You want to make sure that you are heading over to Patreon. You all know we've had a really busy um, month of October, but now that November is 
in the midst we are catching back up so you can join at any level but if you join at the 12 15 or 20 dollar level for october and november you will receive the first of the quarterly swag boxes that allison and i are putting together and mm-hmm. we will be mailing those in the next two weeks and so they're going to be amazing and you can join at those levels to be part of the next quarter swag and yes. with that all of our love is going out to each of you. Until next week, Sleuth Hounds.